0: Come okay. on. We've had a great week. We are excited to worship with you. Would you stand with us?
1: Glad that you are here with us today to worship. Why don't you go ahead and take a seat if you haven't already. Um, my name is Andy, I'm the student minister here and I would love to get to know you. So if you are a current attender, there's some booklets on the end of your aisles here. Why don't you go ahead, fill out your name, whatever information you want to give us, we'd love to stay in touch in that way. If you guys are new, checking us out. what we'd love for you to do is to pull out your phone. Text GUEST to 833-CHAT-NCC. Uh, it's gonna send you a link to a form. It's gonna give you a, a link that's gonna ask for your name, phone number, email address. And that way we can follow up with you specifically. Here at North Point, we have a super cool opportunity that just started, I think, last week. It's called Operation Christmas Child. And there's these boxes out at the serve wall over here where uh, you just get a ton of stuff and you fill it up. When I was a kid... This was something that I would do all the time with my family, my church did it almost every year. There's a tag that you mark, it says boy, girl, and then it gives you an age range. There's some gift ideas out there that you guys can take a look at too. It's so much fun to do with your whole family. Get uh, one night, just go to the Dollar Tree or something, fill up the box with a ton of stuff, and then bring it back with $10, and it gets shipped out to kids around the world that will now have Christmas presents because you gave to this. Uh, Another part of worship is we worship through our giving. Uh, We realize that we sing and we listen to sermons, but part of it is trusting God with everything that he's gonna provide for us in every circumstance. So there's a couple ways to give. There's uh, boxes in the back over here that you can drop cash or check into, or you can go on the North Point app, or on the online, you can look, and there's links to give there. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. Uh, Let's continue on, Rick's gonna come up and speak.
2: Doesn't that just make you want to sing? Ah, Good falsetto stuff. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Woohoo! Good, good, good stuff. Glad you're here, and uh, hope you're you've been a part of this series, experiencing God, that you're um, involved in the workbook, that you're using that, um, that God is speaking to you through that process. If you're new or if you're just kind of coming in and saying, okay, what's this Experiencing God thing? We are in a study that, uh, where, where we've encouraged everybody to get a workbook um, called Experiencing God from, uh, from Amazon or where, whatever, Henry Blackbee is the author. It's not too late for you to jump in and get involved. Um, it encourages you to every day do a, a page in the workbook and, um, and to just see what God teaches you through that process. Now, if you've been around for a while, and we're six weeks into a 12-week series, it's possible you might be a little behind. Anybody there? Um, what, what do you do with that? I, and the reason that I say it's possible that you might be a little bit behind is because I'm a little bit behind. We, um, we went to Missouri a week ago to see our grandkids and um, stayed in a hotel, had two of the grandkids staying with us. It was a little difficult to find time to um, carve out where I could have some quiet away from the, the grandkids and all the stuff going on. So um, uh, let, me just, let me just give you some ideas that if you're behind, here's some ways that you can catch up. Um, the, the units that, that, the, that happen each week have five days that you do in order to complete that unit. And one of the options that you can do is just make sure that you don't do five out of seven, you do seven out of seven. Every day you go ahead and do uh, one of the pages and it'll take you a little bit of time to catch up, but going seven days a week, God will speak to you through that process and you'll be able to catch up. It'll just take you a little bit of time. That's a good path. That's not the path that I've chosen, all right? Um, In part because my wiring is such that it's like, look, you're seven days behind or five days behind, whatever it is, I I just am never gonna catch up. And so you just quit. If you're wired like that where where you're just gonna give up, here's what I would suggest, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm doing um, a page in the morning and a page at night, like after dinner. And it's been a really good thing because it helps me be thinking about God Kind of all around the clock, and um, it's that's a better path than than like sitting down and trying to do two or three or four pages all at one time, where you, where um, there's going to be too much stuff there, your brain doesn't have a chance to kind of process that. That's a, that's another good path. Um, if you're if you're saying this whole experiencing God thing, uh, really we can experience God. I've never heard about that. Maybe yeah, I think I kind of want to jump in and do it. Um, Go ahead and order the workbook. Have it, you know, have have Amazon bring it to your house. And another path that you could go would be simply to uh, to say, okay, today we start unit six, and just start this week with unit six. And um, as there's opportunity to kind of go back, it's kind of like, you know, when you sit down with your kids or your spouse or somebody, and they're like in the middle of season two of a series and you've not watched any of that, but after some time, as you kind of dive into that, you kind of figure out who the players are, what's going on, um, what's happening in that process. Kind of like that, you can do that and just dive into to, um, unit six and go from there. Um, in the series, in Experiencing God, there is a tool that's there, and I just want to take a second again, we're about halfway through, to encourage you to use the memory verses that are there. This is not like Sunday school, go back, get the gold star, you know, say your memory verse to, to your friends kind of thing. But it, it really is a great opportunity to let God's word get inside you, to get it in your, your head, in your heart, and to, to just be thinking about what God's word says on kind of a daily basis. I've got my stack of cards that I either keep in my workbook or put on my desk. And, and I can just kind of filter through them um, pretty quickly. Um, some people have, have uh, told me that they have them, like, um, in their car. Some people have them in their bathroom. Uh, friends I know did screenshots of their memory verses, and um, so it, it shows up on their phone. Every time they open their phone, there's the memory verses for them, which is kind of a cool thing to be able to, to do that. And let me just, again, encourage you. Um, uh, yes, somebody in our life group has, has created jingles. Um, songs. So, uh, if you want their um, if you want their address, I'll let them I'll l- let you know, and uh, they can teach you the songs to help you memorize uh, the verses as well. Why? Why are we doing experiencing God, R- 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 Rick? We've been talking about this a lot. Why are we doing this? Our mission as a church is to help all people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. Our uh, that why we exist is so that for each of us that we can move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. That's what it's all about. Our vision in terms of how we're kind of fleshing that out right now in kind of a two to three year time period is, is that we've said, everybody who calls North Point home, everybody who comes on a, a regular basis, however you define that, and says, oh, North Point's my church, um, that they would see God working in their lives, Jesus working in their lives, and that they'd be talking about it with their friends, that they'd be talking about it in their sphere of influence. Experiencing God is designed to help us see what God is doing in us and around us all the time. And so it, it, it helps flesh out that vision in a, in a really, really cool way. Um, so over the last five weeks, we've, we've, uh, we've kind of laid the foundation and, and said, that first week we said, is it possible that, God can, that we can really experience God's presence in our life? And we can if we're teachable, if we're open to that. That um, second week, we talked about uh, this idea that, that God really loves us. He really loves you individually and that he's pursuing a relationship with you. He wants to have that kind of relationship with you. Third week, we talked about responding to the to the prompts of God and, and to just being obedient to what he calls us to do. Um, and then the... the um, um, the next week we talked about that god speaks to us through scripture uh, today we're going we're going to kind of uh, go into a, uh, another part of that have have you ever have you ever had someone say to you god told me to tell you this is what you're supposed to do god told me to tell you to quit your job god told me to tell you That you're the person I'm supposed to marry. I just want to make that clear, you know, uh, so that you know that God has said that. Um, God has told me to tell you that you're going to be healed of this disease or this thing that's going on in your body. Um, God has told me to tell you that I know you haven't been able to conceive, but you're going to have a baby. God has told me that you're supposed to loan your car to me so that I can drive to Arizona and back. Um... (laughs) Have you ever had that kind of conversation where somebody has said, I'm the spokesman for God in your life? How do you, how do you make sense of that? Is, is that real? Is that something that you can count on? Did God really speak to them and tell them to tell you that particular thing? Maybe at an even more foundational uh, place, does God really speak to us in 2022 does he communicate with us on kind of a personal level, like interaction kind of thing? That's, that's what we're talking about today. Um, last week we talked about how God speaks through scripture, that God does speak to us, that God, the creator of the universe, the one who designed every cell in your body, the one who made the Grand Canyon and the Great Lakes, the one who made the Northern Lights, and the change of seasons, he loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know and experience his love, and he wants to communicate with you. So he's speaking to you today, in real life, whether you're close to him, whether you're far from him, whether you're, you've been drawn to him, or whether you're just learning now to be able to recognize his voice, God's speaking to you. He speaks through scripture. When you read scripture or you hear scripture and you have kind of one of those aha moments where you say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do, or oh, that's who God is. Understand that that's not an intellectual process. You are encountering God in that moment, that God is is talking to you, he's revealing himself to you when you experience that through through Scripture. God is speaking to you. Today, we're talking about how God speaks to us in other ways, not just through Scripture, as we talked about last week, but that God speaks to us when we pray, that God speaks to us through the church, through the counsel of others, and that God speaks to us through circumstances as well. Um, You know, God, God speaks to us through prayer in some really kind of cool ways. Um, So much of the time, though, we approach prayer as this interaction that we have with God that's driven completely by us bringing all of the requests that we have, and so we kind of create this shopping list and sit down and say, God, would you you take care of these things that are problems in my life? This car repair that I can't afford, God, would you take care of that? God, Aunt Martha's broken hip has her really isolated. Would you take care of her? Would you bring people into her life? God, I had this fight with my girlfriend or boyfriend. Would you take care of that and heal that broken relationship? God wants to hear about those things that are going in our lives, but prayer is more about a conversation that happens in the context of a relationship. It's more about that than simply bringing a list of requests to him. It's more than just a religious activity. Prayer involves listening, not just talking. It's a dialogue, not a a shopping list. Because God's not a genie who grants our every request when we ask him to. So we have to listen when we pray. God wants to hear those things that are going on in our lives, but we need to listen as well. What's that mean? When you pray, share with God what's going on in your heart. Share with God what those needs are. Talk to God about who he is and his character and nature. But then spend some time just being quiet. Just sitting and listening without all the distractions, without your electronic device close by, without TV on, without music on. Just sit in the silence and see if God doesn't prompt you to take a next step. See if he doesn't bring to mind that friend who has automotive experience that may be able to help you fix your car for simply the cost of the part that's there. See if God doesn't prompt you to go to see Aunt Martha so that she's not so isolated, that God would answer your prayer through you. See if, see if God doesn't convict you about your responsibility For the conflict that exists with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and and is dealing with you about those things that you've done to cause that that division. In that quiet, when God is prompting you to take that next step, the God of the universe is speaking to you in that moment. Prayer isn't designed to be an encounter that leads us to God, prayer is the uh, encounter with God. It's God talking to us in that moment when we listen to him. When distractions are removed and we can hear more clearly, um, God does incredible things. Prayer is not designed for God to give us what we want, but it's designed to uh, allow us to align with his will. It's not so much that God chooses to, to say, yeah, I'm gonna do what you want. It's that we begin to say as we pray and as we listen, God, what you want, that's what I want. Um, know, know that if, in our prayer time, if, if ever this sense that God is speaking to us, that it's, um, that, 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 that uh, word that we feel like we're getting from God is contrary to scripture, that's not from God. God is never going to contradict himself. So if, if when you're praying, you, you have the sense, uh, you know what, I think I'm supposed to leave my wife and kids. Um, that's not from God. If in, as you pray, you think, "Ah, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to remove myself from the church and not have any kind of contact with Christians, that's not from God, because God designed us to be in community. Um, when we listen to God, when we um, listen for his voice, and God prompts us, it's always going to be consistent with how he's revealed himself in Scripture and what he said there. When I was a kid, I remember uh, one of my sisters talking about God giving her the desires of her heart. And she referenced the scripture that's in Psalm 37. I want you to take a look on screen and just see what this says. Um, This is uh, several verses out of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Um, I I remember when I was hearing this as a kid, I thought, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world. Um, God will give me what I want in my heart. And what I've learned, particularly in looking at this particular passage of scripture, is that in our relationship with God, God changes our heart so that our desire is what he wants, what he wanted from the very beginning. If you look at those verses again, look at the number of times it says in the Lord that, it, that the focus is not on us and what we want, but on the focus is on God. Trust in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He's the one who's going to act. Wait expectantly for him. When we have that kind of relationship with God, God's going to speak, and our desires become what God wants as we listen. Um, when we listen, when we listen to God, we're better able to understand when we pray sometimes and God seems silent or God says no. Um, when, we, when we understand, when, been, when we begin to really get the heart of God, um, the words of the noted theologian Garth Brooks begin to make sense, right? I thank God for unanswered prayers because we see not from our perspective, but from God's. When we listen, our trust in God begins to grow. When we talk, all of our trust stays just in us. So when you're praying, when you're spending time in prayer, spend some time just simply being silent. Remove the distractions. Maybe in that quietness, Read through some Psalms or read through some Proverbs or read through the Gospels or read maybe through one of the letters and recognize that God is speaking to you in that moment. Not only does God speak through scripture, speak through prayer, uh, God speaks through the church as well, through the counsel that you get from other uh, people who have a close relationship with Jesus. Proverbs says some really cool things about counsel. Proverbs 11 says, for the lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. The importance of a a political leader having counselors that can help them see from a bigger perspective. Uh, Proverbs 15 says, plans fail where there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they exceed. We, we're better when we have perspective that's outside of our own line of sight. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a football fan. Um, I, I, I love football. What happens, particularly in the, in the NFL, when the refs come to a play where there's a question about whether the guy made it into the end zone or didn't make it to the end zone, whether he was inbounds or out of bounds, whether his knee was down or whether the ball was fumbled. Um, what, what do they do? They go to the video replay, right? Well, the first thing they do is they talk to the other refs who are right there in that vicinity, and then they go to the video replay so that they can see from as many different angles as they can, as many different perspectives before they make the decision yeah, it was a touchdown. Or no, he was out of bounds. Um, we need that as followers of Jesus. When we're faced with a decision, when, when we're struggling with something that's just a, a heavy on our heart, we need more than just our perspective. We need some people who are followers of Jesus who can come alongside us and help give us a different kind of perspective. So who do you get that from? Where do you find that kind of counsel from? Let me, let me just give you some advice. I think you start with somebody who demonstrates, who lives out in their life that they know Jesus, that they recognize God's voice, and that they know scripture. You're, we're talking about a disciple of Jesus, somebody, being changed by, somebody following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus. That may be somebody that you know or somebody that you can just see the fruit in their life. That may be a friend, it may be uh, your life group leader, it may be a staff member, it may be one of the elders here at North Point. But somebody that you can see that, that walk with Jesus being lived out. Don't miss this, God can speak through people who aren't followers of Jesus. God can and does speak through people that don't necessarily have a close walk with him. And he may speak through them to you. God can speak through Dr. Phil and Oprah. Um, and that, uh, yeah. Did you just hear that at church? Um, God can speak through a through a professor with a PhD in whatever uh, whatever area that that um, may apply to what you're struggling with. But hear me in this: God's first team is the church in terms of speaking through counsel, giving you counsel. He may speak through somebody on TV. He may speak through somebody who doesn't really know you, but. God's design is that that's gonna come through people that you have a relationship with within the body of Christ. You need somebody um, that you can see them living out their faith in Jesus, but you also need somebody who will ask you next level questions, probing questions. Um, the, the, I wanted to clarify this because so much of the time, we go to somebody for counsel and what, and, and what we really want is for them to affirm what we've already decided. We don't want them to ask hard questions and and to get, to hear God speak through the church. You've got to have somebody who is willing to ask um, next level questions to say, okay, why do you think that? How, that this decision that you're considering, it, it seems to contradict scripture. How do you make sense of those two things being lived out in your life? Hard questions. We we don't typically want that, but that's the kind of counsel that we need. Um, I, can I just take a step back and, and, and say this about counselors? When we go to see counselors, um, the, the overriding, the overarching philosophy for, for counseling that, that exists in our culture right now is that, um, that a counselor will ask questions to, to kind of probe you to give the answer to your own situation, they'll, they'll ask those kinds of questions. Rarely do they ask hard questions about deeper level, getting to the conflict and letting that come out. And that this is the, the third thing that I think that we need to hear God speak to us through, through the church is we need some, someone that has the boldness to tell us when we're out of line Counselors typically don't do that. They don't feel like they have the right to do that, that that's not their place. When I'm talking about licensed professional counselors, rarely will a counselor say, you know what, you're making a mistake. In the body of the church, God will speak to us when we allow someone into our life that will say, don't go there, it's dangerous. That's not what God wants. Um, so so we need somebody who's living out their, their relationship with Jesus, somebody who's willing to ask next-level questions, somebody who can speak truth to you with boldness, um, and somebody who is committed to the body of Christ. And I, and I mean that the body of Christ with a, with a big C, like the church universal, they're committed to the church, and they're committed to the small C church to, here at North Point, F- to Within the body, God will speak to you through someone who says, no, you need to stay connected. You need to stay connected to your life group. You need to stay connected on Sunday mornings. You need to stay connected with the moms group or the Bible study group or whatever that is. Um, Godly counsel doesn't lead to an encounter with God. Godly counsel is that is God speaking to us. So when you come to somebody in church and say, I'm struggling with this, when you go to your life group and say, I don't know whether to take this job or not, and you're getting counsel from the people who are close to you, who are, who are living out their walk with Jesus, God is speaking to you through them. They're not, it's not just that God is using them, God is speaking to you in the moment. That's a, that's a real encounter with God that's happening through those people. Um, it's important when you go to somebody for counsel. It's important what they know, but it's a lot more important how they're living out their life and whether their commitment to Jesus has fallen through. Um, le- let me say this and, and hear this, and this is, a, this is a hard thing, okay? When we talk about God speaking through the church, if, if you don't trust the church, you don't really trust God. Let me say that again. And let that settle. If you don't trust the church, you don't really trust God because God's plan is for the church to be used to help us walk with him. I know, I know lots of you, lots of people have been hurt deeply by the church, by stuff that's happened in the past. But God's plan is still for the church. And I would encourage you to not focus on the hurt that you've experienced, but to focus on what God's plan is and to bring your hurt in, in perspective with God's plan for the church, not to forget the church because of your hurt, to not let your experience filter how you see the church, but let the church, what God's plan is for the church, filter your experience. How do I know that? Because if you trust God, if you trust that God speaks through scripture, God's, God's word is true, Romans 13 says, let everybody submit to the governing authorities since there's no authority except from God, and authorities that exist are instituted by God. That's true politically. That's true governmentally. It's true in in the church that God has set up structures that he's going to work through, and we either trust him on that or we don't. Um, Let let me just flesh that out in my world as a pastor. Um, I've I've been a pastor for, uh, I don't know, 40 years, something like that. Um, and, and so I served in, I think, six different churches, had lots of experience doing that. So when I bring an idea to the elders and I say, oh, this is what we should do. I think that this is the right thing. Um, and, and they're hesitant about moving forward with that. It doesn't really matter what I think. Like I may, I may think, oh, I just haven't explained myself well enough. Or guys, you just don't really get what's at stake here. Or you've never seen it work. Or you're ignorant about this or whatever. If I can just help you get all that, you'll be on page with me and everything will be okay. I can take that path. That's not the godly path. Because God has made me accountable to our eldership here at North Point. And so if the elders are saying, "Mm, no, I don't think that's a really good path. It's not it's not a good thing for me to sit in the corner and pout and say, I didn't get my way. The right thing for me to do is to trust that God is working through the elders, through the people who are my leadership team, and trust that God is working through them, even if I don't understand it, and trust him in that. There's application for that in you in lots of areas of your life, in your family, at work, wherever it is. Do I trust myself more than I trust God's plan that's a, it's a critical question to hearing God's, God speak to us through the church, through counsel. Um, if those people who we're accountable to, if they make a mistake, they're accountable to God for that mistake. We're accountable to God for, for um, following their leadership in, in that area. God speaks through scripture. God speaks through prayer. God speaks through the church. And God speaks through circumstances as well. Um, Sometimes we reject places where we can hear God's voice most clearly in Scripture, through the counsel of others, uh, that kind of thing. And we look for God to speak to us through things that are a little bit more obscure through circumstances. We say, God, I've got this problem at work, um, and I've got these two options. When I hit 127 State Street, if the light's green, I'm going to choose this option. If the light's red, I'm going to choose this option. And if it's yellow, I'm just going to stop in the middle of the intersection, right? Um, how, How do I make sense of that? Sometimes we look for circumstances to determine what kind of paths that we're supposed to take. In Matthew 12, Matthew describes an interaction that took place in the life of Jesus, where he says, some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. We want to see you working in the circumstances around you, around us. And Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. No sign is going to be given to it except the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? It was that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and then came back out alive and was able to, to um, proclaim truth at that point in time sign of Jonah Jonah was Jesus going to the cross and dying and being buried for three days before he came back out alive. That was the thing that they could count on. Not not, um, experiential uh, circumstance kind of things where, oh, is God in that or not? And yet it's easy for us to pursue God in the circumstances around us for whether or not we take this action or that action. Don't don't base your relationship on God, your your relationship with God on circumstances that may or may not be God speaking to you. So. How do you develop some kind of radar to help recognize when God is working in circumstances in your life? How do you do that? Let me, let me give you th- three ideas, three concepts. You can trust that God is working through circumstances when circumstances create conversations about faith, about God's nature, about sin, or about pain. When the circumstances that, that you're in the midst of draw you to conversations about things that really matter and that God's in the center of, God's working in those circumstances. He's, he's creating an opportunity there. When circumstances draw you closer to God, when they help you hear his voice more clearly, when they help you love him more deeply, when they help you know him, know his character um, more intimately, you know that God is working in those circumstances. When circumstances affirm the things that you've been praying about, to recognize that God is working, you can know that God's in those circumstances. So when you wake up in the morning and say, God, would you speak to me? or Would you show me how I, can, how I can help meet the needs of others today? And an hour later, when you're at work, there's somebody in need. You can trust that in those circumstances, God is saying, that's your opportunity. That's exactly what you prayed for. Step in and take action at that point. That's how we can know. Um, early, Early in the experiencing God, you heard the phrase, if you ask the wrong questions, you'll get the wrong answers. If you ask the wrong questions, you'll get the wrong answers. The wrong question is, what's God's will for my life? The right question is, what's God's will? The wrong question is, what are these circumstances telling me about God? The right question is, what is God telling me that I can see lived out in the circumstances around me? It's all about where our focus is and where the filter is. Be be careful about asking or looking for signs that provide direction for what you perceive God's will will be for your life. The right question is, what has God already said to me that's consistent with his word that, may, that might be confirmed by the circumstances around me. Um, the, uh, it, here's what I mean by that. When we recognize what God has called us to first and then, and, and then look at the circumstances around that, um, it just gives a completely different kind of perspective. Um, about uh, seven years ago, Jake Howard, Jake and Ashley, we were talking to them about um, coming as the student minister here at North Point at that point in time. Um, we had talked a little bit, we thought we were going to go a different direction with a different candidate, and I had said to Jake at that point in time, you know, we're going to, we're going to, um, look at this particular person, and we think that we're going to hire him, it's going to be good, and Jake said, okay, cool, that's, you know, no problem, and Jake and Ashley bought a house in Cincinnati, the guy that we were, um, talking to at that point in time, um, it, it, that didn't work out, and I, I called Jake back and said, Hey are you still interested in coming to be a part of the staff at North Point? And he said, we just bought a house. Um, well, yeah, what are we supposed to do with that? And he, and he said, and rightly so, you know what? Let's pray about it and see, see what we think God is saying. And, and if we're supposed to come, the house is going to take care of itself. They made the decision to say yes about the move to North Point not knowing what was gonna happen with their house. Their decision was not contingent upon the circumstances. Oh, we're gonna put our house up for sale and if it sells quickly, then we're gonna know we're supposed to come. They said yes to God, to his clear leading to the call that that, that, that they had, that they felt like God had spoken to them about, and then made that decision and then put their house up for sale. And interestingly enough, their house sold right away they only lived in that house for about six weeks, and they made money out of the sale. God's blessing came through the circumstances. God's will, God's speaking, was not defined by those circumstances. Um, so many times I hear people say, God, I really want to know your will. Uh, so so um, stop me if I'm going the wrong direction. Open the door for me to go in the right direction and close the door if that's not your will. Um, can, can I just say to you, I don't think that that approach is found in Scripture where we pray. Uh, Paul asked for an open door to, to go to Macedonia. But for the most part, we respond to God's will. And, and it's not driven by whether the doors open or close because Satan can open or close doors as well. Um, God's not, this is what, one of the things that you'll read this week. God is not obligated to stop you from making a mistake. So when you proceed through what you believe is an open door and ask God to bless you for that, it's not God's job to shut that door if you're not listening to him in that process, if you're not looking at that option, if you're not hearing him speak through scripture, through counsel, through prayer uh, as well. There's a, a story in, in Judges 6 where God's people are being, um, they're they're being harassed, they're being bullied by the Midianites, and um, and God raises up a leader to change that, to rescue His people. This is Judges six. An angel of the Lord appears to Gideon, a man named Gideon, and says, "The Lord is with you, valiant warrior." The Lord said, uh, turned to him and said, "Go in strength, go in the strength that you have, and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I'm sending you." Um, Gideon said to him, "Please, Lord." How can I deliver Israel? Look, my family's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's family. I got no credentials, no credibility at all. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You'll strike Midian down as if it were one man. So Gideon kind of freaks out because he's thinking God has called him to do this thing that he doesn't think that he can do. And so he says to the angel right there, he says, you stay here. I'm going to go fix you dinner. And he goes and actually physically fixes dinner for this angel, brings it to the angel, sets it down on a rock. The angel touches it with a staff and supernaturally it burst into flame. Power of God, miracle kind of thing. Not, not talking providence, it's supernaturally burst into flame. And Gideon at that point has to be thinking, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want, right? So he goes out that night um, under the cover of darkness and tears down an idol to Baal that's there in the middle of the community. Um, he does it secretly, tears it down. Everybody wakes up the next morning, and this thing that's been in the center of their town has been torn down, and, um, and everybody's really, really ticked about it. They, the, who tore down the idol? And the people say, oh, it was Gideon who did it, and they want to take Gideon's life. Gideon has this conversation with God They're going to kill me. And God says, no, you're the guy. And Gideon Gideon says this. He says, God, okay, if I'm the guy, um, I'm going to take this fleece, this big thing of of like wool, sheep wool, I'm going to put it down on the ground. and, And if you really want to use me, I want it to be wet with dew in the morning, to be like wet with dew and all the ground around it to be dry. And he wakes up the next morning and the fleece is wet and the ground is dry. And Gideon says, God, if you really want to use me, let's, let me do another test because I don't think I'm your guy. And so he, he says, I'm going to put the fleece out tonight and I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be filled with dew all around. And, um, and he goes to bed and he wakes up the next morning and the fleece is dry and the ground is wet. That's where we get this idea of thrown out a, that's where we get the concept, the wording, thrown out a, putting out a fleece before God. Understand this. God had been very clear with Gideon. This is what you're supposed to do. I'm choosing you to rescue the nation of Israel from, from the Midianites. And Gideon had said, yeah, God, I don't like that answer. And God supernaturally had, had to show him, yeah, you're the guy. I, can I, can I just say this about looking to circumstances? If you're looking to circumstances for direction, I, would, I think I would encourage you to ask God to do something supernatural to show you his will if you're looking for, clear, uh, for guidance in those circumstances. And if he doesn't do something supernatural, something outside of the, the laws of nature, go uh, recognize that, that that's what God's doing. If you're not willing to take that path, don't go there because what often happens is, okay, God, I want you to do X, Y, Z, something that's supernatural and doesn't happen. And then we turn around and say, eh, I asked him to do something supernatural. God's not gonna do that. And so we hedge on that. The challenge for us, God will speak to us through circumstances. He will speak to us through circumstances. But that's always gonna line up with his word. It's always gonna be consistent with the counsel that we get and God is going to affirm that. In the circumstances, God is gonna to speak to us. He's gonna show us his nature and we need to, take, we need to recognize that, that, take advantage of it and to realize that in that encounter, we are encountering God when he speaks through the, through the circumstances. Um, hearing God speak is not a means to an end, and it's not a coincidence. When we hear God speak through Scripture, that's not so we can have an encounter with God later. It's not so that we can understand God and know God better in eternity. God is speaking to us in that moment in Scripture. When we hear God speak in our prayer time, God is the one speaking to us in that prayer time. When we we hear God speak to us through the counsel of godly people in the church, God is in Countering us, he's speaking to us directly in that moment. And when we see God speaking to us through circumstances that are around us, that's God speaking to us. Don't miss his voice. When you know God, when you have a relationship with him, you begin to recognize his voice in all kinds of ways as he speaks. Let's pray, God. We we want to know you, Lord. We wouldn't be here if we didn't want to know you. Um, we want to we want to learn to hear your voice more clearly, God. Some of this stuff is it's confusing, confusing because we we tend to just filter stuff only through ourselves. God, help us to know your word better to recognize your voice there. Help us to be silent more when we pray and to recognize your voice as you speak to us in that prayer time. God, help us, help us to pursue the counsel of your body, to have people in the church help us see things more clearly. Help us to hear them hear you speak through them and to respond. God, help us to see the work that you're doing all around us all the time in the circumstances. Help us to recognize your hand, your voice in that and respond. God, um, we want to know you um, and we want to love you with our whole hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.
0: to shaping my